0: Good morning. Uh, it's great to be back here again after a few years. You know, we were here in the early years of the church. Here We were here in like 1989 to 91. Um, lived here in Springfield. And it was from here that God sent us directly into service with, with Bible translators. So it's always wonderful to be back, and especially to have the wonderful music. You know, you... It's too easy to take that for granted. Um, <clears throat> Sarah and I coordinate music at our church, uh, and we don't have the resources, <laughs> all the wonderful voices and musicians. Um, it's so—it's always a blessing to come here and drink in the wonderful worship <clears throat> that you have here. We're also privileged to be back and to share with you what God is doing around the world through Bible translation, through God speaking to people and seeing their response. So how does the word of the Lord come to you? And how do you respond? That's what we're going to talk about this morning, this interaction, this conversation. And when I say the word Jonah, what's the first thing that comes to mind? the whale, right? Or big fish as it's sometimes translated. Well, today we're going to look at the story of Jonah and look at what happens before and after the fish. And we're going to focus on the role that scripture plays in our lives and in the lives of people around the world. And I want to sh- highlight a shocking reality that these scriptures that we have all around us in our homes on our devices, everything. Not everyone in the world has that. In fact, 1.5 billion people, 20% of the world's population, does not have the full Bible in any language they understand. And in fact, 200 million of those that speak over 1,600 languages still do not even have a single verse translated in any language They can understand. Sarah and I serve with Wycliffe Bible Translators. We've been supported by this church for many years, and we work on your behalf to change this situation. Wycliffe's goal is to see people engage with God through the Scriptures. So we're involved in Bible translation, in Scripture use, in literacy efforts, in education, All these things that can help people engage with God in a rich, full relationship through the scriptures. Now, Sarah and I are not translators. We did linguistic training, um, but Sarah is a bookkeeper. And that's a very useful skill. So she works for coordinating finances for translation projects around the world. I'm a font designer. I design computer fonts and develop software with a team of people that focus on supporting unusual alphabets and unusu- and minority languages throughout the world. We work out of Wycliffe UK's headquarters in England uh, and explain more about that as we go today. And in our many years of service, we have become more convinced and more awed and humbled that this book, is a precious gift. We are privileged to have these scriptures in our lives. And everyone on earth should have the same access to these scriptures that we do. That's God's heart. That's justice. That's what God is calling his church to make possible. So let's turn to the book of Jonah. You may have it in a physical book in front of you, or on a phone, or a device, or something like that. <clears throat> and we're going to look at this story. It's about a story about the interaction of God and a person, about God's passion to save, and about his character. And we see in this book illustrations of the roles that the Bible plays in our lives. And I want to take you through seven of those roles. Seen in the first and third chapters. Seven ways that God uses the scriptures in our lives, and seven reasons why everyone needs this book. Bible translation is also not just about the New Testament. That's often one of the initial goals, but the Old Testament is just as important. And Jonah is actually one of the first books often translated. That's because it's a story, it's a narrative, it engages people, and it's about a basic situation, the situation of man separated from God. God's efforts to save those people, to reach in and speak to them, their response, which is sometimes to run, but God's persistent effort to save. So beginning at the um, first chapter, I'll be reading from the ESV version. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. But... um, so I paid the fare and went down to go down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Now when we hear from God, one tendency is to run, as Jonah did. God spoke and Jonah ran. And here's the first role of God's word, to expose our sin. What did God want Jonah to do? To go to Nineveh and expose their sin, to explain the things that separated them from God. It's also significant that Jonah was called to go to Nineveh. That's a very large, important city at the time in a country in the Middle East, now mostly closed to Christian witness. But God has never given up on Jonah, or on Nineveh. In many countries, preaching on the street corners is not possible. And in some, even having a Bible in your possession, in your home, or even having scriptures on your phone can get you a prison sentence, or worse. Yet God is using creative ways to reach people in these closed countries. How do you hear from God? Maybe it's through a book that you read. Maybe it's through visiting a website like Bible Gateway or through some other online Bible study. Maybe it's through your community groups. Maybe it's through the scriptures, the Bible app on your phone. We're using custom smartphone apps to distribute the translated scriptures to people who we can't, we have no access to physically. These apps that are available can be configured to look like um, any other harmless app. But if you're stopped and searched, there's no hint that you have a Bible. There are also services in closed countries that deliver scriptures by text. So I would just text a verse reference to the number that I found out about, and I'd get back those verses in my language. And then I could delete that text from my phone, so that if I'm stopped by the authorities, there's no record. See, God loves the people in closed countries, and he hasn't given up on them. And he's showing his sovereign creativity by giving us technology so that we can use that technology to reach everyone. On to verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. God has a plan, and when he sets that plan into action, it can be scary. Sometimes it feels like a big storm in our lives. But here's the second role of God's word. It's to reveal God's plan and actions to save. Despite our sin, God acts. And even in the case of natural disasters or tragedies, terrible events, even ones that have nothing to do with anything we have done, God can bring salvation and healing despite tragedy. Even in the worst situations of tragedy, God can reach in and care for us. A few years ago, there was a flood in a country that's mostly closed to Christian witness, although we have freedom to do Bible translation there and to even uh, print scriptures. The problem is, you're restricted from doing any evangelism or scripture distribution. So these translated scriptures were sitting in boxes in a warehouse, and the people had no access to them. Well, there came a big storm, and a terrible flood came ravaging throughout that village and throughout that country. And as a result, that warehouse was broken down, and those boxes of scriptures were opened up, and those books began to float. And those books began to float throughout the whole community, through the edges, and people would grab them, and they'd pick them up, and they're in their language, and they, so they'd read them. They'd carefully lay them out to dry them. And soon, that whole community were reading God's word, despite that tragedy. And in the midst of their pain, God came in with his word of grace and healing and care. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. See, these sailors believed that there was a divine being who could save them. But they didn't agree on who that was. They each called out to their own God and they wanted Jonah to call out to his too, They were all seeking the true and powerful God who could save. And they wanted his salvation. And they wanted to know who he was. When they found out that Jonah had run from the Hebrew God, who they heard the stories about, about the escape, um, about how he had reached into people's lives, they were terrified. They knew the reputation of that Hebrew God, but they didn't know him, and they knew little about him. See, people around the world want to know about the true God. Even people from other religions. And this leads to the third role of God's word in our lives. To reveal God's character. To show what is truly important to him, his priorities, his heart. And to demonstrate how he cares for us. Verse 11. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up, hurl me into the sea, and the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to try to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, has done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, and they hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and made vows. These men wondered how to appease this great and powerful God. They prayed for mercy directly to him. They didn't go through an intermediary. They appealed to God himself. They prayed to God, and that prayer is documented in the book. Why is that prayer there? We're almost to the fourth row of God's word here. Okay. Okay. Do you remember what happens next in the story? Right, this is where the whale comes in, right? Okay. Jonah is swallowed up by the fish, and after three days and nights, he spat out onto the beach. Now, the story doesn't tell us anything about what those three days were like. All the story tells us is Jonah's prayer. And I won't read it all, but here's the beginning. I called out to the Lord in my, out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Shul I cried, and you heard my voice. What does this sound like? It sounds like a psalm, doesn't it? You know, and there are 150 of these in the Psalms, but there are these sort of prayers and other kinds of prayers throughout the whole scriptures. Why are they there? They're there to give us a pattern of how to speak to God. And that's the fourth role of God's word. To demonstrate how we can pray to him. How we are to speak to him from our heart, with our honest thoughts and emotions, with our fears, with our rejoices, and also speak our praises with the same authentic passion. These songs and hymns that we sing, where do they come from? They echo the scriptures. The scriptures give us the words, the phrases, the verses, which we can use to cry out to God. And this has been the case since the beginning. You know, you've been studying Acts, right? Those patterns of worship and prayer that were started in the early church continue on and have set the pattern through today. Why? Because they're rooted in the scriptures. So if you don't have the scriptures, you don't know how to talk to God. You don't know how to worship. You don't know how to praise. You know, in the seventh chapter of Revelation, we see a vision. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. People from every language group singing their praises to God. And that vision, more than any other, motivates Sarah and I in our work. The goal of universal praise and worship. See, the goal of Bible translation isn't a book. It's people crying out in worship and praise, giving their all to the sovereign creator who loves them and cares for them. Now, let's turn to chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth, and Jonah began to go into the city, even a day's journey. And he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. God spoke again to Jonah, and this time Jonah obeyed and brought God's message to Nineveh. And the people responded. And God also speaks to us now through his word and calls us to mission. And that's the fifth role of the Bible to call us to mission, to call us to action. And that message, that mission, is the same as Jonah's, to carry God's message to others. That's the purpose in all the things that God is doing. Now, has God been calling you to some particular mission or some particular task? in bringing his message to others? How has the word of the Lord come to you? Maybe it's through your personal reading of the scriptures, or through the preaching and teaching here, or through your community groups, or through a friend, or through some other resource. However God speaks to you, has he been calling you to something? And how have you responded? That may involve some small task. A word, a phone call you need to make to somebody. Or it may involve a big life decision. It was here, while living in Springfield, that God prepared Sarah and me to join thousands of others working in the Bible translation movement. We could not have foreseen what he had for us. At all, but we knew we could entrust ourselves and our family into his hands. Now, there's still a great need for people to join us in this task. Uh, people from all sorts of backgrounds. That may mean a full time career, or it might be, mean becoming a prayer warrior for, from your living room. And if God is speaking to you today and placing in your heart a passion for Bible translation, if you think God wants you to do something, to get involved with this, come talk to us. There are many different roles that you can have. Everything from full-time service to prayer to encouragement. Um, So please come and speak with us after our worship today. Verse five. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published throughout Nineveh, By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. making himself the same as everyone else. That was unheard of. Now we have lived in England for 17 years. And as such, um, we are have become dual citizens. So we have British citizenship and American citizenship with the equal r- rights and responsibilities in both countries. But that also means We have a queen. That's a little odd for an American to have a queen, right? And we have become um, very impressed and proud of our Queen Elizabeth and her life. Um, She is a bold proclaimer of the gospel. In fact, one of her official titles is Defender of the Faith. And she takes that seriously. And she speaks the gospel of Jesus Christ publicly to the whole country every year. Now, I don't know if any of you have seen the Netflix series, The Crown. Anyone seen any of that? It's a fantastic series. Just beautifully produced. And it tells the story of Queen Elizabeth and the choices and the very difficult struggle it has been for her and her family to serve as the royal family and the sacrifices they have had to make and how that's even affected her faith. So the idea that the king, the reigning monarch, would become just like everyone else is just unheard of today. And this illustrates the sixth and seventh rolls of God's word. God's word tells us who we really are. It tells us who we are in Christ. Despite all the titles or background or wealth or education. It strips us down to exactly who we are as a chosen child of God. Loved by the Father. And it also tells us how we are to relate to one another. That's the seventh role. You know, in your study of Acts, you've seen how God has transformed and shaped the church and taught them things of how to relate to one another, how to deal with disagreements, how how to deal with need within the community. The word can transform society. And the king, in this case, the king humbled himself and acted as a leader and demonstrated right behavior. The world around us is reeling from issues related to the misuse of power and authority, isn't it? The word addresses these issues and sets the pattern for leadership that is humble and responsible and we look around at the many unjust and unfair social structures that oppress people around the world, the word reaches into those and dismantles them. We have friends that are doing Bible translation with a group of people in Asia who have had a culture based around revenge for over a thousand years. And they were recently doing a check of the translation of Luke. And they got to chapter 6 and got up to verse 31 where it says, and as you wish others would do to you, do so to them. Right, that's the golden rule, right? Makes sense to us. And they asked one of the leaders of the church, one of the church leaders there, just to check, so can you explain what that verse means to you? And he immediately responded and said, oh, well, that means if I, if I expect someone's going to punch me in the face, I need to punch them hard first. What? <laughs> oh, no, no, that's not what it means. <laughs> and you see, in that language, there's not a clear distinction between the words wish and expect. And when he heard that verse, he processes processed it as, What you expect others to do to you, do it to them first. Well, they changed the translation (laughs) to make that more clear. So they said, the good that you wish others to do to you, do so to them. Oh, and that was very clear. But that verse was key to the transformation of that society breaks down the revenge culture. It points out that scriptures are meant to transform us, not as just as individuals, but as a whole society. And this pattern of call and response, word and action that we see is critical to our life with God as believers. If we don't have a good healthy model for that relationship, we mess it up as humans. And so God has given us his precious word as a gift to set things right. To expose our sin, the sin of our actions, the sin of our attitudes, the things that hurt one another and displease God. But it also shows his plan of salvation, his love for all of us, to take us out of that sin and to teach us about himself so that we have a right knowledge of the powerful God. The word shows us how to listen and speak to him, gives us a pattern for our worship and praise, calls us to mission and to action. It helps us to understand who we are and how we are to relate to each other. When was the last time you opened your scriptures with joy? With thankfulness? We so easily take them for granted. We've, they've always been around us. We have easy access to multiple translations. Well, I want to show you the response of people getting to the word getting the word, in their heart language for the first time. So I want you to show a three-minute video about the Lugueri people from Uganda who speak the Lugwere language. They first encountered the gospel 140 years ago, but it's always felt distant to them because they've always had to use some other language to speak about God or to speak to him. One leader described it as being in captivity, For 140 years. They wanted to be free. To speak to God directly from their hearts. This is the same passion that Luther and the other reformers had 500 years ago. That the scriptures in the language of the people brings freedom. Go ahead and run the video. Could you see the joy in their faces? You know, the word, this event was so considered so significant that even the president of Uganda came and spoke at the launch. The word has that effect. Now today, we want to thank you on behalf of the bugwere for helping make that celebration possible because you've had a direct connection to that project. I'd like to bring Sarah up. Sarah has supported this translation project from early on in the project. She's coordinated the channeling of funds to the project, managed the difficult issues of fund transfers and exchange rates, (laughs) and has had an ongoing relationship with the leaders, encouraging them. And I and my font developers created the fonts they are used to publish the scriptures, to do the literacy work, the teaching to read and write. Um, and your support for those tasks helped make that possible. Um, and will continue as they do the, New Te- the Old Testament translation as well, including that story of Jonah. So come and speak to us after the service to learn more We have a couple of interesting Bibles with unusual alphabets in them to look at at the table out there. We have some some single sheets from one of the Bibles that you can take back with you. Stick it in your Bible and remind you to pray for Bibleist people who don't yet have those scriptures that you enjoy. I want to conclude with a final verse from Jonah that we're going to look at today. Verse 10. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. We serve a God who, in the words of Jonah in chapter 4, is merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Thank you for helping people around the world, to get to know that God. And may we all grow in our appreciation for this precious gift, this book that God has given us. May we embrace it. May we hold it tightly to our hearts and read it with joy and thanks to the God who saves. Let's pray together.